Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Barely Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Dobius. We have a lot to talk about today. Hopefully, you are are settled in, having a good day, uh, because we got some hot topics here. Obviously, the big news, Julio Jones. We're going to be talking about him, and then we're going to be playing a little game of this or that, which I will explain in a bit. First off, Julio Jones has been traded to the Tennessee Titans in exchange for a second round and a fourth round. Uh, The Falcons also gave up a sixth, so it's Julio Jones and a sixth to the Titans for a second round and a fourth, which I guess isn't the worst deal uh, if you got a receiver that wants out and that stated on live television that he wants out without his knowledge that he was on live television, so you know that feeling is genuine. Yeah, it's it kind of sucks for the Falcons. You're losing out on a top dog. But then again, you're kind of hoping the next player will step up. That's Calvin Ridley. It's what Julio Jones did to Roddy White. It's what Calvin Ridley is going to do to Julio Jones. Fantasy implications will stick with the Atlanta Falcons. I think this moves Calvin Ridley up even further in my rankings. He was already, in my opinion, a, a top 10 receiver no doubt I could argue top five there's a chance Calvin Ridley can finish as the number one wide receiver this year especially with Aaron Rodgers being a whole question mark not showing up to OTAs that's a a topic for another day once we bring back Bryant the the Packer expert Um, but Calvin Ridley is going to be phenomenal he really is he is going to be a beast you know Matt Ryan likes to throw the ball you know they're not going to run the ball because they have Mike Davis and then Javian Hawkins and Corderell Patterson in the backfield. That's not a trustworthy backfield. So, yeah, Matt Ryan, I would say, doesn't really move up or down in, in the rankings. Um, we, we saw last year he can still do things without Julio Jones. He's not going to be a top 10 quarterback, but he is going to finish around that number 12 mark, I would say. Kyle Pitts is a great addition. He'll be the new mismatch guy that Julio Jones used to be. Definitely not as fast as Julio Jones, and I would say less talented, uh, especially because we haven't seen it yet. So other players that I'm kind of keeping an eye on, uh, Russell Gage, I guess, is the next player to to step up. He's that wide receiver too now. There's not really, I know there's a lot of hype around Russell Gage right now. I'm not really going to jump on that bandwagon just yet. If you do have Russell Gage, and if if you're not confident in him, I would look to trade him away right now. There's a lot of hype around this guy. I think he's going to be an okay receiver. I could see him being no higher than a a flex play uh, every week. So it's going to be all Calvin Ridley, a little bit of Kyle Pitts, and that's about it. So Pitts, his value jumped up even further. Uh, Julio Jones didn't have a big impact last season, but he still had 68 targets. That's going to go somewhere. So, yeah, I, I think Pitts is going to going to step up. Ridley's going to step up after that. Th- that's about it. In terms of Tennessee Titans value, this is this is big. So we know that. Let's see, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, and Janu Smith, that's three out of the top four targets last year for the Tennessee Titans, are off the team. That is 192 targets that are missing. 
that that Ryan Tannehill needs to disperse. So who's it going to be going to? I think a little more to AJ Brown, actually a lot more to AJ Brown after missing uh, one or two weeks at the very beginning of the season Two, uh, just to correct myself. I think that he's going to go from the hundred. He had one Oh six last year in terms of targets. I think he's going to jump up to about one twenty. Julio Jones is going to get, I want to say over a hundred targets as well. He's done it before. I mean, like I said, 192 targets are missing from this team. Julio Jones is still capable of, of handling a workload that high. I mean, if we look last year, I guess 2019, excuse me, the season prior, uh, 157, 157 targets. That's not bad. Year before that, 170. Here's a fun stat that's a little less relevant. In 2015, he had 203 targets in one season. So he's more than capable of handling the workload. He's done it before. I don't see him reaching really much higher than 100. He is the wide receiver two on this team. At this point in Julio Jones' career, A.J. Brown is the more talented receiver. But in terms of relevancy for players like Josh Reynolds, uh, the new tight end one, Anthony Ferkser, Des Fitzpatrick, their rookie that they drafted, I think that they drop way down in value way down to the point of irrelevancy. I'm not touching Josh Reynolds. I'm not touching Ferkser. I'm not touching uh, Des Fitzpatrick unless you have a taxi squad option. But Julio Jones, this is going to be one of his last good years left. Um, Yeah, he should be a a solid wide receiver too. I, I really like him. His ADP might be a little high for my liking still. I know he's he's kind of drafted around uh, the second third round um i think that's that's still a little high just because there's a lot of question marks with his injury and will tennessee throw the ball that much so yeah we saw last year tennessee can feed two fantasy relevant receivers I, I there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be able to do that again i just think that aj brown is the the clear and defined wide receiver one and julio jones is just kind of Kind of there to throw off the defense. So Julio Jones is a solid wide receiver two with a decent amount of risk. AJ Brown doesn't really affect him that much. He's still the 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 top guy, top ten receiver. Could be top five this year. Uh, and last but not least, Ryan Tannehill. That's a boost in value. Really, I, I know they run the ball a lot, but Ryan Tannehill gets two elite receivers on his team. That's uh, the T- Tennessee Titans are looking really good now with the addition of Julio Jones that causes another threat in the passing game and that can open up lanes for Derrick Henry he should be great this year just Titans are going to be scary good so I am up on I'm still up on AJ Brown I'm up on Julio and I am up on Tannehill very good move for the Tennessee Titans I think this is a very beneficial trade in terms of fantasy relevance Now, we are going to move on to a fun little game called This or That. What I'm going to do is call up Brendan, the producer. He is going to be looking at mock drafts and the ADP. If you don't know what ADP stands for, it stands for Average Draft Position. Uh, So he's going to look at a 12-team, half-point PPR mock draft. And what he's going to do is he's going to give me two options. 
it's going to be, you know, uh, Julio Jones or Michael Thomas at the 210, for example. And then I'm going to give my reasonings on who I would rather have. Uh, just a little fun game. I know it's, it might be a little early, but it's never, I, I don't think it's, it's too early to prepare for, uh, for your drafts come August, come July, or, or September. So without further ado, Brendan, hit me up with a couple of these this or that's. I'm going to do this in order of rounds that I have this kind of scheduled at. I like that. Uh, Because I've, you know, I I start in some early rounds and go more towards the middle and a little bit towards the end as well. Uh, So to start off, we're going to go at the end of the second round that the 211. 211. Are you picking George Kittle or DeAndre Swift? That's the 211. That's that's a very good start. That is a very good start because my initial gut says DeAndre Swift, no question. Because my my favorite draft strategy is go running back heavy in the early rounds. However, when you do that, you get burned on quarterbacks and tight ends. You miss out on the good ones. So, ooh, uh, it, it, it is a cop-out to say it depends on what I pick in the first round. But I almost always go running back, so we'll just play that in, into the... Uh, we'll factor that into this decision. I think at the 211, I am going to go George Kittle. And here is why. Finding a good tight end, finding a consistent, reliable tight end is becoming more and more difficult each year. If you think of the top tight ends now in that elite, confident starting him every single week tier, it's Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, then in a little lower tier, here it's Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson. Those are five guys that I believe are going to be that that I can almost guarantee are going to be consistent tight end ones throughout the year. I think each of them will have a, a, a top three performance, no doubt. Then you have players like Pitts, Fant, Gasicki, Goddard, all of those where they're like fringe, like they could have good weeks, but they will also burn you. That you get kind of sixth round seventh round so i think i would like just because the the tight ends are so scarce i think i'm going george kittle because i know what he can do and that's finished tight end one and if i'm matching up against a guy who passes on a tight end very early on and ends up with a with a tight end like robert tunyon that is a huge mismatch there my tight end will definitely outperform his nine out of ten weeks so I think I think Kittle just because the it's a scarce I guess a more scarce resource and that's I'm not knocking on DeAndre Swift I think he's going to step up this year I think that he can finish as a reliable running back too and I think there's going to be weeks where he finishes uh, in the RB one numbers a top twelve running back but I think I would rather go with a guy who I know what I'm getting out of him if he plays he's on San Fran which they get injured a lot but I know what I'm getting out of Kittle and that is a Top tier tight end. So Kittle over DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I this next one's gonna hit close to home for you. Oh. We're right around that same area. We're uh, starting at the beginning of the third round here. Okay. So 303. Are you picking Antonio Gibson or Michael Thomas? Wow, it does hit home. It does hit home. I love me some some Gibson. Um Wow, that's a, that's a tough one. So Michael Thomas, I'll start with him. He has that 
that opportunity to finish as a wide receiver one. As the wide receiver one. I shouldn't say a wide receiver one. As the wide receiver one. That is a completely different case. So, Michael Thomas on the Saints. Obviously, he had a rough season last season. He was uh, injured most of the time. And when he wasn't injured, he was benched for disciplinary reasons. Drew Brees was not throwing the ball as much as, as Saints fans wanted him to. But he he's only 28 which is technically, it should be wide receiver's prime. He still has the ability when he's not injured to be that wide receiver one that you drafted him to be last year. The only question that I have is quarterback. If Jameis Winston is the quarterback, I think I'm more confident in Michael Thomas. Just because there, there was that Jameis Winston 2019 on the Bucks kind of 5,000 yards passing 30 interceptions, but he, he throws the ball and he throws the ball a lot. And that volume with Michael Thomas is going to be scary. We saw Chris Godwin finish as a, as a, what, what did he finish? Number, did he finish as the number one that year? He was top um, five for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on, on you know, the format, oh, but wide receiver two. Yeah. Wide receiver two is where I, I see most of where Chris Godwin finished in 2019. Holy crap. So Chris Godwin. Michael Thomas is is the same level, if not better, than Chris Godwin. So there is a world where Michael Thomas can finish as the wide receiver one this year, but everything needs to fall into place. All the puzzle pieces need to fit. There, There could be a chance where Thomas doesn't recover from his injury well. We can see a world where Taysom Hill is the quarterback and he rushes the ball a lot more, or they hand the ball off to Elvin Kamara maybe five, six more times per game. That's a lot, but that has a huge effect on Michael Thomas and the other receivers. There's no competition for Michael Thomas. He is the wide receiver one in New Orleans. However, the the questionable quarterback, you can even say the same thing about James Winston. Is he the same guy? Is he going to throw the ball as much as he did in Tampa? Or was that due to Bruce Arians offense, inexperience. Maybe he's going to throw less but be more efficient. I don't know. All those questions that I just stated is the reason why I'm going to pick Antonio Gibson over Michael Thomas. Gibson is a guy I really believed in heading into this season before Darius Geis left, before Adrian Peterson left. I thought this guy could be someone special. That's why it hits home to me because I unfortunately couldn't get him on my dynasty league. Anyway, that doesn't matter. He finished as the running back 13 last season. And like I said earlier, my favorite strategy is going running back, running back, running back in drafts. Having a guy like Antonio Gibson, who scored 11 touchdowns last season, that, that is, that is going to be huge in your league. He was very efficient in the red zone. He is, I think, going to get... I don't want to say that. Uh, I don't want to say that he's not involved in the receiving game, but J.D. McKissick is still there, and I don't see as many dump-off passes as uh, to, for Ryan Fitzpatrick as Alex Smith in 2020, but I think Gibson is going to be getting more carries. He's going to get more yards. I just think maybe a little less touchdowns than last year. I see him around the 8 or 9 range in touchdowns, 
and I would say over a thousand yards rushing. So that's still a better performance that he had last season. I can see Gibson as a as a top ten running back, and to get a top ten running back in the third round, I think is too good not to pass up. So give me Gibson. Yeah, uh, I think for this next one, we're we're gonna do uh, middle of the fifth round, pick five or pick number five in the fifth round. So the five of five. Five of five. Are you yeah. taking a chance on Jamar Chase, or? I guess are you going to take a chance on Kenny Galladay? Do you want to take the chance oh. on the guy that's that's done it before? Maybe a little bit of a questionable situation, or are you going the new exciting rookie with Jamar Chase? Wow, that's a good one. I didn't know Kenny Galladay is in the fifth at the five oh five. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> wow. Okay, Kenny Galladay. You know him. You love him. You love him with Matthew Stafford. That's that's my reaction to that. Kenny Galladay with Matthew Stafford is amazing. That's a gold mine as long as Kenny Galladay is healthy. He has downgraded to Daniel Jones. And when I say downgrade, I mean huge downgrade. We know Kenny Galladay can finish as a top 10, almost top 5 wide receiver like he did in 2019. He finished as the wide receiver 6, over 100 targets. Over a thousand yards, eleven TDs. That's amazing when he is healthy. And I'm not going to take health into consideration with this pick, um, just because that's that's just kind of cheap to do. The main thing I'm factoring in is quarterbacks and opportunity. Kenny Galladay tactically has the better opportunity, right? He is the wide receiver one, even though they they brought in uh, they drafted Kadarius Tony. They still have Sterling Shepard. They brought in, I feel like there was another big receiver that I'm forgetting about. I know, I know on Tate, but that's not really a, a big deal. Uh, wait, so, sorry, I think I missed it. So for the Giants, I think maybe you're missing John Ross. John Ross. Okay, yeah, John go. Ross. There we go. Um, yeah, it, it's, there's a lot of malice to feed in New York, not a lot of good ones. So Galladay should be the, the number one receiver for the Giants, the number one target for Daniel Jones. I, Kenny Galladay should get 100-plus targets. How many receptions is he going to get, though? That's what I'm nervous about. It's, it's all on. It's not about Kenny Galladay. It's all about Daniel Jones. With Saquon Barkley coming back from injury, they're going to hand the ball off more. Can Daniel Jones sling it to Kenny Galladay, that outside receiver, that 50-50 guy? That makes me nervous. If I had... A, a hint of faith in Daniel Jones, I would say go Kenny Galladay at the 505 because that is a steal. I just don't, I just don't see it with Daniel. I'm sorry. I don't see it with Danny Dimes. I'm going to pass on Galladay. I'm going to take the young stud Jamar Chase. He does have more competition. He has to compete with T. Higgins, who looked excellent last year, and Tyler Boyd, who I think is going to take a step back uh, because Jamar Chase is with his college buddy Joe Burrow. It's a dream come true. Those two were so dominant in 2019 for LSU. Jamar Chase had a better 2019 season than Justin Jefferson did on that same team. Jamar Chase had a, he he had more yards, more receptions, more touchdowns than Justin Jefferson in 2019 on LSU. So to me, we're dealing with a, I want to say, similar talent. I'm not going to say Jamar Chase is the next Justin Jefferson, but I'm saying he's got the opportunity 
to be that. I think that I do see a world where Jamar Chase, by, I want to say week three, becomes the wide receiver one for the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow. I'm way more confident in him than Daniel Jones. I would like to see an improvement on the offensive line, and that is going to affect Jamar Chase because Joe Burrow needs time in the pocket. But I think I'm going to take the upside. It's it's kind of upside versus risk. I think I I would rather go Jamar Chase. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, that's an exciting pick. Um, for this final one, the final this or that. Honestly, this surprises me a little bit. We're we're looking at uh, quarterbacks at the end of the second or the end of the seventh round. Ooh, okay. And we're seeing quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, like mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers following that. Uh, it surprised me a little bit that that Kyler Murray is falling uh, back this far. Yeah. So with this answer, or I guess with this question, at the seven ten, are you picking Ceedee Lamb or Kyler Murray? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Okay. Wow, that is a seventh round for both of these yeah, guys. This surprised me a lot, which is why That's I had to put these two guys in this. Because this is this is kind of a tough one. I thought I'd drop a bomb on you for the last one. Wow. Because I'm a big believer of both of these guys. I really like both of them. Oh my gosh. Imagine a, and like if you have Oh, imagine if you have like the the six twelve and then the seven oh one, you can get both of these guys. Yeah, that would uh, be amazing. <laughs> okay. Holy crap. Kyler Murray in the seventh. So Kyler Murray, I think, has the potential to be the number one quarterback this year. I like D-Hop. I like Rondale Moore. I think that's a great addition. And I think A.J. Green is a great addition, as weird as it is to say it. I think that Kyler Murray has a lot more weapons and something to take into account. Arizona Cardinals have a worse defense. You didn't think it was possible, but they do, which means Kyler Murray is going to have to sling the ball even more. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, Murray was in contention for that quarterback one spot for multiple weeks. I mean, more than half of the season, it was between him, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen for that quarterback one spot. He's got a super high floor. He's going to get a ton of rushing touchdowns. I truly believe that he can finish as the quarterback one. Actually, I think if I had to bet money on who it's going to be, I would be more confident in Kyler Murray than any other quarterback. So Kyler Murray last season, almost 4,000 yards passing, 26 TDs and passing TDs and 11 rushing. That is phenomenal. You compare that to Lamar Jackson, who had over 1,000 less passing yards and less rushing TDs. Kyler Murray is a step above him, which is crazy. CD Lamb, on the other hand, is a guy that I've, I've stated before in previous podcasts that I have a huge belief he's going to take a step up. He is actually a dark horse candidate to be a top 10 wide receiver this season. Nobody's going to throw the ball more than the Dallas Cowboys. With Dak Prescott as the quarterback, every receiver for the Dallas Cowboys is going to be fantasy relevant. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, they're going to finish very close uh, in the end of season rankings. And then you have Michael Gallup who's going to be like a, you know, a decent flex option. But C.D. Lamb, when Dak Prescott was playing, which is the first five weeks, 
he was projected to get 136 targets, 1,472 yards, and almost seven TDs. That is almost top 10 numbers. So that there is the potential. CeeDee Lamb, another year with NFL experience and with Dak Prescott, really has the potential to be a, a top 10 guy. Now, there was some inconsistencies later in the year with C.D. Lamb. We've seen him finish as the, the wide receiver four in week four, but then we also seen him finish as the wide receiver number 66 in week 12. So uh, there's, there's some things to fix, uh, but I think a big part of that was due to no Dak Prescott. So I, I think it's too good not to pass up Kyler Murray in the seventh. Although there there are quarterbacks that you can get later than him that I think will do, uh, I'm not going to say just as good, but who will do fine. They're not going to lose you weeks. For example, Tom Brady in the ninth. I think that that picking up Tannehill in the 10th is very good. Uh, If you want to take a flyer on like Matt Ryan, that wouldn't be bad either. But man, Kyler Murray in the seventh, too good not to pass up. I'm going to pick him. I think CeeDee Lamb is going, I I predict him being great, but there is still question marks. There is still those inconsistencies. Amari Cooper is still the number one. So I I think if you get Kyler Murray, you're going to be happy either way in the seventh. The seventh round is going to be nuts, but Kyler Murray is going to win you the league when CeeDee Lamb might win you some weeks. And I think that's the difference. So Kyler Murray, give me him. Sorry, CeeDee Lamb, but hopefully you fall to me in the eighth because that's ridiculous. Holy crap. I wouldn't blame you if you pick Kyler Murray in the in the sixth and then Lamb in the seventh. I mean, Kyler Murray in the sixth is a steal to me. Uh, like when you have players like like Patrick Mahomes going in the 207, Josh Allen going in the 405, Lamar Jackson in the seventh, Dak Prescott at the 508, Wilson 408, like Kyler Murray is going to be up there with the best of them. So when you get a a player that is going to do just as good in terms of fantasy points to Pat Mahomes, who's being drafted in the second, you are getting a second round talent in the seventh round. That's the big difference there. So when you know you got the top ten wide receivers like like Allen Robinson being drafted in the third, Amari Cooper in the fourth, you're getting a fourth round talent for seventh with cd lamb so give me kyler murray and man i'll see you in the championship because that is insane that is that is crazy i can't get over that anyway holy crap this is why we do it because we we figure out these things way earlier than anybody else kyler murray in the seventh is going to be a steal you can get him in the sixth i think that's an even that's way worth it to secure murray to secure your quarterback one win the championship that is all we have Thank you for watching or listening to this or that. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.